are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Um, Our theme music is a clip of Summer Nights by the Eric Jones Trio. It's provided by our friend Mark Chesanow, who plays with the Eric Jones Trio every Thursday and Sunday at Good Times Jazz Bar downtown. Hey everyone, welcome to Arts on the Air. This is Tamara Garvey, and we have Melissa Taylor back. Yay! Yay! Welcome back, Melissa. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you. <laughs> Delighted to be here. <laughs> and today we are interviewing a lovely artist named Gabriel Torres. Welcome. Thank Gabrielle. you. Hi. Thank you guys for coming. So glad to have you. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to read a little bio from her website, and we will start off. Uh, Gabrielle Torres' work seeks to expose the balance between materiality and meaning. Her art aims to decompose compartmentalization blurring the lines of what we humanity presume to know. That's me. That sounds about right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot. And I'm excited about yes. it. <laughs> it's a lot to unpack. Yeah. I'm pleased that I got through pronouncing the word compartmentalization. Well, that word. Fly on the radio. Okay. One of my favorites. <laughs> okay. So you were, it looks like you were born in Philadelphia and raised in South Carolina. Um, and you recently, in 2021, finished your MFA in painting at SCAD. Congratulations yeah. on Thank that. You. Huge accomplishment. <laughs> um, was SCAD what brought you to Savannah? Yeah, like 10, more, 10 or more years ago. Okay. I know. I moved here and um, when I didn't have any kids. <laughs> and I fell in love with the city like most Savannians do. You also fall in love with like being able to walk around with an open container. Yeah. So that happened for a little while. And then I met my husband, Brian. Torres, and then we had kids, and I was like, oh, snap, I think I moved here to get my master's, and I haven't started school yet. So I started getting back into painting regularly okay. again. Um, I always painted, but not as regularly, and now it's like, it's constant. But um, then I went back and got my master's, and fast forward a year, and we're here. So master's with two children. That, two children. Yeah. I had a 40-hour job. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. Congratulations. That's, that's yeah. a lot. I wish you could see my face. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot. I hope you took a really long nap when you finished. <laughs> I, you know, I tried, right? I think I had like two months no. off and then it just... Sounds like you had a lot of professional success since then, so you're still rolling. Yeah, yeah, it is still rolling. All good things. So. What did you do in those first years when you first got to town then? Oof. Other than the open container law. <laughs> Um, I worked in a lot of restaurants okay. and I always tried to keep a art related position just to help me get to where I wanted to go. Um, and I always try to stress that with my students, like even if you're not where you need to be, at least try to be oriented with the arts. So I worked at um, Painting with a Twist for ooh, maybe 10 years. Every now and then I pop back over there. I love entertaining <laughs> and making people laugh. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, it's no stress. We go in there and we just have a good time. That's fun. Teach them how to paint their dog or something like that. I love Amen. that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I worked at Painting with a Twist for like 10 years and um, I generally waited tables while I was doing it. So I did a lot of fine dining. And um, I did show from time to time, but nowhere near as much as like how I show now or what I show now. Yeah. And at the time, the work wasn't developed enough it was just kind of it was getting there you know um i think scad definitely they have a way of really ship shaping you up and shipping you out so <laughs> yeah. very glad those that critiques my... are rigorous aren't they <laughs> I, yes but i went back at a later age in life i'm glad i didn't go back right away yeah i went back with tunnel vision i always call it because once we had kids and everything and i already knew what i wanted to do in life from when i was younger 
I was like, okay, so what are we doing? You know, what, what are you doing? So um, when the kids came, it was just like, we have to make the most of everything. We mm-hmm. have to make a, yeah. the most of this education that you're paying for. Yes. We have to make the most of... You don't have time to mess around. No, so I went in, like, guns blazing its yeah. head. Like, I went in like a sponge. And you had, you know, all this life experience then to draw on. Working in customer service is very, very difficult. Yes, so it really it lights is. a fire under you to do <laughs> well in your program. Yeah, there's something about life experience, too. Mm-hmm. I'd say that to my students, too. It's just like, make sure, you know, you're determined and you're on path for what you want to do but also experience life at the same time yeah because like the passion and the I don't know that feeling on the inside that you get for the fun experience that you have comes from those moments sometimes too so you need a balance Mm -hmm. and you need I mean your artwork needs to be about something you need life experience in order to yeah a reason to make the art right correct oh I was just gonna ask like how how do you think your style um and and what you do has changed from your uh, bachelor's to to your master's because you said you just kind of honed in and sort of found your it's weird I think that it's all there Uh um and everything that we currently have inside of us at this very moment was already always there always feel like that it's kind of like the Taoism you can't step into the same river it's like it's always been there it's the same river it's just different parts of the river um, and I very much feel like that when it comes to um, who I was then because when I was an undergrad my work did have hints of colonialism in that idea mm-hmm. but it wasn't developed and I didn't know what I was really talking about because honestly I wasn't as invested at that point in time I knew that I loved arts from when I was seven but I was young and I was experiencing life, so the dedication wasn't 100% there at first. So fast forwarding to now, it's like even the fabric that's in my work, my mom always sewed. Mm-hmm. She's a seamstress. So it, it always kind of like manifests. Um, when I first applied to get my master's at SCAD though, the interesting thing is that I was painting horses though. Interesting. I was painting these abstract horses and I was knocking them out mm. and I was painting with my kids. They would, then we would paint all together on the backgrounds and then I would put the horse and they'd go back over it. Um, so that was something different, but I went, the first thing that I ever drew when I was little was a horse. I love horses. I did that too. The first things I would draw were horses yeah. as well. So yeah. it's funny how these little points of who you were help you to become who you're going to be. And even yeah. like, you know, 15 years from this conversation, when this developed work, um, develops even more and morphs into something else as of that point. So I find that really interesting as well. Were you really into drawing and painting horses because, like, was it the physical, the shape of them that you were enjoying, or was there something that they represented conceptually that you were into? I think they represented the drive. I always consider myself, like, I have a wild spirit a little bit. Um, I'm actually year of the horse for, like, my Chinese zodiac, which okay. is interesting enough. <laughs> um, so it's always been something that's been there and the body of work was the mommy chronicles Mm -hmm. so like becoming a mom it was just like a wave of you don't exist anymore you are you belong to two people like you're not your own person and it was trying to persevere through saying that we can do these things as women you know we can push and make these things happen and get back to who we are so I was combining painting with them. So it was the idea of the perseverance at the same time. And to me, that could be a characteristic of how like horses are, even though you, you do break horses, but there are wild horses that you can't break. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So I think there's like a interesting symbolism in the idea that I, when I was painting the horses. And um, I, I, I'm just, um, 
last weekend the bookshop did a graphic novel panelist and or panel and it was um like three graphic novel artists and we had talked about the one thing that they don't like to draw and they all were like horses no 100% wow no. interesting I just think it's funny like really? I, I love like horses are like the things that are like you know you either as love if them it or came up them. for them a lot the opportunity to draw a horse I, you never know <laughs> yeah <laughs> Just think it's funny. <laughs> it was second nature. Yeah. Like, I, I think I know the anatomy of a horse really uh-huh. well from like drawing them from when I was little and those little yeah. draw by number books. Oh, yeah. Draw the circle here, the oval <laughs> here. And I drew them all the time. Mm-hmm. So as an adult, it yeah. was like second nature. I had just... the same thing. For some reason, it was a thing that I easily could just draw from memory and the shape of it. I just got good at it and can churn it out the way I wasn't with anything else. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I want to talk, you know, I want to get into like the physicality of your actual work, but just real quick, I wanted to ask, what was it about, was it um, Savannah or SCAD that really appealed to you when you moved here first? I was curious. Can I say both? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a beach person. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we thrive on the beach here. I believe in like the climate can set the mood for who you are as far as like when it's not as sunny outside. I mean, I'm happy but I'm happier when I'm in the sun. So yeah. like my kids and I over the summer, we go to the beach like three times a week. Mm-hmm. I take oh, a cool. sketchbook out to the beach. I've taken paint out to the beach. Mm-hmm. So um, that's been really essential for just who I am. I always say I didn't know that I was going to be, I call it like a good stock in Savannah, but I couldn't imagine anywhere else being stock because it's just such a beautiful place. It's charming. Yeah. Um, there's a diversity here that I enjoy. It could be diversified a little bit more in certain areas, but that's a topic for a different time. But for the most part, I do like the community that it houses, especially for artists. Um, at my graduation, my mom presented this um, this framed little plaque, or it was a letter that I wrote when I was in middle school, like your goals. Mm. And I wouldn't have said on there that I wanted to go to SCAD and get my master's wow. and teach. And so she presented it on the day that I graduated. You can just check that off. Like, mission accomplished. It was, yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah. So that's why I say it was like, and at that time, I don't think that I had been to Savannah. I came to Savannah during my undergrad with some friends once. Yeah. I had a friend that was actually going to SCAD. So I hadn't even really seen the town just yet. Um, so when I got here, it's like a mixture of the two. And I had, I didn't really remember this letter that my mom presented to me. It was my handwriting. All the spelling was hard. Yeah. So it totally was mine. <laughs> Same as today. But um, I hadn't really remembered it. So when I came un- during undergrad, that's when, like, the love for the city, the love for seeing the school firsthand, yeah. it just came together. And I was like, I mean, when I graduated, I moved to Savannah within two or three days. Yeah. Like, I packed up all my stuff up until that point and shipped out. So also in that letter was you know, that you wanted to teach. What what draws you to teaching? So for teaching, you all will see through this interview, my mom's had a lot of positive influence on my life. Um, but she always called me like Mother Teresa when I was little. She would be like, you know, you're always trying to you give your, your last shirt off your back for someone else. Like, you do have to take care of yourself. She would always say that you're always willing. You're always have a bleeding heart. Wear your emotions on your sleeve. And... Um, so between that combination and being an artist, it was either between that or being a vet when I was younger. Mm-hmm. The spelling's not there, and the math ain't there either. I'm letting you guys know that now. It's not, <laughs> it's not where it needs to be. So it, it, it quickly unfolded that, like, no, uh, you're an artist. You know, and not in a bad way. It wasn't like 
a fallback. Like since I was seven, it's like yeah, you're an artist. Your chosen mm-hmm. thing. Um, and it still was between the vet, but like for the most part, eventually it kind of fizzled out, and the artist was always still there. Mm-hmm. But so the combination of those two things together for me, it's like when you're teaching, you get to foster that type of environment where you're caring for someone at the same time, and at the same you're teaching. So even though we have students that might just do plain air painting, you know, and it's really important as a professor to be able to see that they're not about the concept, which is totally fine. That doesn't make their work any less valuable because they prefer to go out into the woods and paint. But there is that aspect of teaching where you do have students that want to communicate or use their platform for something and how to foster things like that in a respectful way. So in a way, it's like you are shaping the minds of tomorrow. So in a caring way, it's like a way that you can give back to what is to come in Mm -hmm. a sense. Um, Even though now I'm starting to see, because I work for K through 12 for a a split second there, that might need to catch up a little bit before college. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, it's never too late to learn things. So Well, and I think um, teaching at an art school is so special because so many students don't have access to art in K through 12 because art programs are being cut so you get these students who are really passionate about it in spite of the fact that they didn't have access to it in their their Mm -hmm. you know k through 12 schooling so i think that there's something really special about teaching art in college yeah Yeah, like suddenly there's a lot to learn Mm -hmm. there is but getting them a little bit younger yeah (laughs) it's a a language of bonding it's Mm -hmm. a language of learning you know earliest civilizations before we could even communicate we were using like art in a sense and not really technically of course calling it art Mm -hmm. and we were using art for fertility and things like that so it's like it's a community-based thing so to me I think that art needs to start right away for kids and for the most part when you're using crayons in class it does start but just for wow it's just loaded thoughts all at one time but (laughs) When students manifest to become a little bit older, it, to me it's like how they interact with other students. If they're learning art, they could they could get along with students a little bit better through just the different cultures that you experience in the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, anyhow, I, I, I think one thing I think is really interesting about the like the K through twelve level is just how different the access to art is just depending on what town or what mm-hmm. part of the country or like just that it's not standardized at all what people have access to like there's an interview I did recently with um a printmaker named uh Jennifer Mack Watkins oh. and she said that she was first introduced to printmaking in her high school art classes mm-hmm. which I found That's amazing because my art classes did not go anywhere that yeah. specific mm-hmm. into you know that is super amazing. Right? We did not. I think when I was graduating, they were thinking about cutting the arts. That was like the last year when I had graduated. But I can tell you all of my art teachers growing up. Yeah. You know, and we, we learn how to question everything through the arts, which is the name of my, like, one of my shows. It's like mm-hmm. question what we think that we know. Not saying that, you know, how we're raised sometimes is, is bad or wrong. That's, life is a lot more um, values, not that black and white, you know. Mm-hmm. But the idea of... I was raised in a very religious household and I've in in a respectful way I've come to question some of the things that I've been taught but I don't think that that spirit would have existed if I wasn't an artist I think that is what I was trying to say earlier Mm -hmm. of how the arts have a way of doing these things sometimes Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't really quite put my finger on it but I think that is an exact way of explaining it yeah Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I think for artists and scientists, the whole basis is just to question things mm-hmm. and get to the yeah. truth, right? Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'd love to talk about the, your physical work when looking at your website. It really runs the gamut between um, there's installations, fiber sculptures, and then you have uh, more two-dimensional collages that are like paintings with bits of fabric and plastic bags on them. So it's you know amazing the diversity, but the common element seems to be your use of materials and mm-hmm. fabrics. And I didn't know if you could talk a little bit about, um, was it during your MFA program at SCAD that you got into that, or how did that develop? Um, it was during the MFA program at SCAD. Um, but it was also the idea that some of my work, it doesn't really talk about it a, a ton, is that I have roots in like ecology as far as wanting to preserve how, where we live um, and how we live. But I was noticing in my household, like every Christmas, we had like a million gifts. You know, so we have a different Christmas now. We get like five things, like from from mom and dad, and then as far as what we get from other parents, we'll ask them for like more of experiences and things. But families are some of like the biggest polluters in the world, mm-hmm. and we don't mean to be. We go for things that are more like accessible, accessible or easy to get, or quicker, or just more. It's just things that make having a family a little bit more easier. But in the, the same time being having things that are easy it's not always the best for the environment Mm. so i had all these things in my house that were just like building up and all i was smashing toys at one point in time i was hoarding all the fabric that (laughs) y'all see in here i was like i have to figure out how to make something of all this stuff i can't just keep throwing these things out so that's when it started really turning and then um the fabric i think that like i said when everything is already kind of inside of you it felt more natural to start gravitating towards like the sewing machine because when I was younger, I always sewed with my mom. Mm-hmm. I don't sew nearly as well as her, <laughs> but um, I do enjoy like there's some there's a memory, you know, when you're pushing yeah the, the fabric. Just through. that muscle memory. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, it brings back a, a nice childhood memory there. Um, so I think that's where like the mixture of materials. And then when I was growing up, I think a lot of people don't know this because you can't tell from the page, but. The plants that are in the work are live, like they're real live plants. That's super cool. Like I, how how do you make that work? Like how, what's what's the uh, the process there? So it's still <laughs> an evolving process. It's an evolving process because the more we show or I show, the more and I say we because I, I talk about the plants like they're live. <laughs> oh yeah. So I'll say yeah. the more we yeah. show. Um, so the more we show, the more that I get in situations where okay, well we might have to problem solve this. Um, so, for the most part, they are woven through the warps and the weft because I do I do do fibers pieces, and that's when the plants are mainly in. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes they hang to be more like technical how they actually show. But it's kind of a hit and miss. Some people do not want to show them because they don't want the pressure of having to take care of plants. I was gonna say like they probably are not used to having to water the artwork. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, we've had some we've had some totally die but i try to <laughs> disalarm people about like if you if you want to show this it's no pressure someone else will if you won't if you want to show this then um if the plant dies i'm not upset i do ask that you take an effort to try to water it i have gotten some of them back and i can tell my mm, mm. you didn't even take an effort on this bad boy. <laughs> but at the same time i don't say anything because i'm just gracious for the opportunity yeah um, it does hurt a little bit because i do feel like my plants and i are connected but at the same time, honestly, I've killed a few of them. Yeah. So it's just like, <laughs> you can't really be that mad if I've killed a few of them at I the mean, same time. And they come back having experienced and something. And they're And they're stronger on the other side. Right? So you all <laughs> out there in TV land can't see this plant in the corner that has just this beautiful movement going on. Mm-hmm. But this one died 
and came back. See? And to me, the <laughs> negative space in it, it's one of my favorite plants in here. Yeah. And like it was full at one point in time, but the way that it just died. Yeah, and then, it has a story now. Yeah. It's, and it's beautiful <laughs> to me. It's like the whole movement of it that it's just so, for the most part, it's okay when it happens. I was, yeah, I was noticing that you have one piece on your website that was called The, the Paradox. Is that the one you're thinking? Mm-hmm. Where it's this like wooden frame up on the wall and you have this fabric woven in rows and then you have these little jars like little test tubes with the greenery in it mm-hmm. so it's little like jars of just water with the plant in it they're so, propagating yeah so people just have to go around with a little watering can and just fill up like like you can clearly see whether the water is empty or not it'd be pretty easy to take care of it right <laughs> and it was english <laughs> ivy I, th- I really yeah. liked this piece i wrote down all the details on it <laughs> i was like it has little jars of ivy hanging off of it it was amazing so the show at savannah state had a similar hanging this flag piece over here mm-hmm. um and those have jars and there were there was ivy in that so i do use english ivy pretty much for the majority of it because the ivy symbolizes colonialism because mm-hmm. it, it's a invasive plant that was taken from england and brought into the united states and it's considered invasive so it is the drive for most of the work um but for that one it was really cool because when I would see it at Savannah State once a week, I could see like the roots. And the ivy is not, in my opinion, as easy to root as like the golden pothos, which is a more common house plant. I've had a plant that I didn't water for a year and it was still green. <laughs> I just kind of forgot it was over there. I'm not joking. And like I put it back in water, roots. That's the kind of um, plant I need. It's a good one. It's one where I might send wow. where people are like, yeah, we don't know about that. But I'll send you an easy one. And <laughs> Requires so, no work. Exactly. Really. <laughs> Through your art, you've become a really knowledgeable botanist. Sounds. In a sense, it has. I mean, I, I, I used to garden a good bit. Um, these little buckets out here where they had like tons of tomatoes in it. And the seasons change and things change. And we're thinking about moving. So I'm just kind of focused on other things right now. Mm-hmm. But these are still my focus, the plants in the shop. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it has kind of, I've had to do a lot of um, research for the types of plants that I'm showing because it's the origins of the plants are are really important. How they grow is really important. How they, how they, um, just the whole thing, you know? So for the most part, the plants are kind of the the bond between everything and it's another material. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of speaks to that idea of, of all the different materials that are going on. Yeah. I mean, conceptually what you said about the English ivy being, um, what is it like an invasive species and then it's on this piece of like the colors of the american flag is i mean it's very conceptual well and anyone who's ever had ivy in their yard knows that it will take over everything Mm -hmm. like it's a powerful statement to put that into art pieces (laughs) thank you yeah and i wanted to say um i lost my footing a little bit earlier but i wanted to mention that the gardening was something that i did with mom growing up so Mm -hmm. my mom has a massive garden puts mind is shame and mine is not at its prime right now there's there's been some years here in this house that it's been like flowers sunflowers busting yeah. out of places my dogs didn't trample the backyard <laughs> um but i do consider myself i hmm, i'm trying to think i probably have a yellow thumb not a green thumb okay. i feel like i'm trying to think going on the the color wheel You're moderately really, good yeah i wouldn't like. say it's like purple or like that sounds bad um, even though yellow might i'm not quite green all the way yet i kill a few things but for the most part I'm, I'm inching. We'll, we'll call it like a pale green or okay. something like You're that. You're getting there. Yeah, chartreuse. Yeah, chartreuse. <laughs> that'll work. Sage green. Maybe that'll work. You had so you, you had one art piece that involved tool from a wedding dress, and I was from ask your wedding was, dress. Right? Was that hard to tear that up and use it? I'm trying to think which one that is. I okay. think that's the, the mother piece. Um, I might, and also 
I use them in multiple works. Mm -hmm. So I think this one actually might, and this is a newer one, this mm. um, more two-dimensional piece might mm -hmm. have tool from my wedding dress. It wasn't hard because it was scraps. It's yeah. not that for that, that piece that I tore up my wedding dress, I just had scraps from when my mom made it. So okay. Okay. once again, ripping it. it right back around, she <laughs> made my wedding dress. And um, she just gave me all the scraps that were left over from it. And so to me, it was symbolic because that's what my dress was made from. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes it feels good to repurpose things. So when it's like you yeah. have something that you're toggling with that you're like, oh man, you know, like I really want to make something out of this, but I can't really fit it anymore. I think to see it repurposed in a specific way, like on this piece, this is my mom's dress mm -hmm. and I'm working it into this piece right now. Um, <clears throat> but for her to see it repurposed like that, she really liked this dress at one point in time. Mm -hmm. So she gets to see oh, the new yeah. light. As an art piece. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and it's interesting to see. So we're looking at your work like in the process of being built. It's a newer so, process too. Mm -hmm. It's cool. So it's like a wooden, you know, stretcher bars like you'd have for a painting, but it's just like, what would you call it? Strings running across it? Like a loom almost. Yeah. They are the looms. Yeah. So these are all loops. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then there's some more back here. So it's a real cross, it's a real like mashup between like, like fibers, art pieces mm -hmm. and painting. Yeah. So while I was at SCAD, I, um, I started taking classes in fibers because I wanted to know how to like crochet knit. And I like the sculptural quality that like a lot of fine art, mm -hmm. um, kind of combines with when they're using fibers and I actually have the evolution of more sculptural pieces too there's some more back here um but I wish that I would have discovered that earlier in life and we talk about that at in, in foundations a lot you know we try to talk to the students about getting more into fibers but still people don't know it's one of the oldest types of art making clothes one of the first things that we you know what yeah, I mean yeah. and we don't even think about it a lot of times so I'm one of the, the people that'll probably end up going back and getting a master's in fibers eventually because Very it's cool. just, it's so robust. There's so much stuff that I want to yeah. know that, you know, you do like a mini crash course, those 10 week courses. And it's like, yeah. you're, okay, we're doing weaving this week. Now we're doing crocheting. Now we're doing knitting. And it's, it's, well, it's really interesting to me that like, cause I am a knitter, um, like what you can do structurally yes, yes. with, with those things. Like, I just don't think people have any idea no. like what's possible with what you can do with, with fabric and yeah. fibers. And, yeah. 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 Wild. The fibers department, I was surprised when I studied illustration and in my last quarter at SCAD, I randomly took a, like an intro fibers class and it was about surface like pattern design. Oof. Which, and, Brittany you know, it was my too. last yeah. quarter, and I was like, oh, my God, I could have, as an illustrator, I could have delved into this and then learned how to make, like, you know, wallpaper or carpentry or, you know, just well, tablecloths or something has, like that. like, those amazing printing facilities where they can do all the mm -hmm. fabric printing, and oh, it's so yeah. cool. Yeah, <laughs> making curtains, tablecloths, like, yeah. everything <laughs> for your house. So it's like that. It's sort of like, like, like the surface of you know, the artwork that you're doing is, is fibers. And then also, like you mentioned, all these different materials, mm -hmm. like, you know, crochet, weaving, all these things. It's just like such a broad department. It's incredible. I just mentioned that to someone the other day. I was, they were saying they wanted to go to illustration. And I was like, well, come check out the fibers first. There's lots of illustration and fibers. Yeah, you can do mm -hmm. both. there's a lot of I crossover. Mean, it's a nice backup to have, or not even a backup. You can combine the two. That's yeah, it's nice to have both those that skills. You can <laughs> combine fibers with like almost everything. Your hair yeah. is fibers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like it's wild. <laughs> you also in some of your pieces you use um, plastic bags are collaged into them too, which mm -hmm. I love just because there's so much. I feel like everybody jokes about having somewhere in their kitchen like a bag full of plastic bags, or oh, right? uh, just keeping yeah. them around to try to reuse them for something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it's. 
it's like it's almost a joke just how ubiquitous they are and how we all have so many and we're like looking for ways to do something with them so I wish that I could do more with them a lot of the times in my more two-dimensional I call them my traditional paintings Mm -hmm. um so the looms that are I call them loom paintings they speak the uh, to the idea of looms so I call them more provisional and then the traditional ones are the ones that you see are more on like substrates and things like that Mm -hmm. um so I melt the plastic into the the images oh, wow. so you, they're like a layering technique like on the left side of the face over here it's all melted in okay. um so it's not very obvious and um it did come about with trying to repurpose a bunch of things yeah and now it's just kind of stuck it's uh, it, and that's how it lives in the works so mm-hmm. do you do you have to uh, take care like materials wise with the plastic burning do you need to have a mask or is yes. it like a toxic situation so and that's one reason why i could not 100 percent go into like ecology and stuff like that because of the idea of like you're melting plastic which is not 100 it's not good for the environment yeah. to do that. but it doesn't totally like dissolve mm-hmm. you know so i don't know scientifically if it's if, if it's just as bad if it's like not melted all the way or burnt oh, mm-hmm. or if it's just melted in i can imagine it's not 100 percent good overall but yeah. at the same time <laughs> it's not it doesn't completely dissolve it just heats up enough to melt into the canvas well, here and, mm-hmm. so is that a technique that you just develop through trial and error with it or is that something that you saw somewhere that there is an african artist and i might butcher his name it's like benny latoya or something like that but he was and he melted a lot better than i did but he would take these giant strips and they were different colored plastics Mm -hmm. and he would and his heat gun i use a heat gun it moved a lot faster so i don't know if you've had a better heat gun than me (laughs) i don't know mine doesn't move like that so it's, it's it's a technique that i learned from another artist but at the same time he uses it in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know how he heats up or melts the plastic into the, into the canvas like that. So, Well, we are going to take a short break. Thank you so much. This is Gabrielle Torres, and we will be back. You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul. Trees are one of Chatham County's most treasured natural resources. Beyond their beauty and cultural significance, the impact of trees are far-reaching and compounding, spanning from economic benefits to health improvements to climate change resilience. Trees are woven into every aspect of our lives. Savannah Tree Foundation protects and grows Chatham County's urban forest through tree planting, community engagement, and advocacy. More information is available at savannatree.org. This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available. And now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at brighterdayfoods.com. What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? 
It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming. And it doesn't just mean that we're a voice for the community. It also means that we're counting on the community to keep us going. And you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community-focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to WRUU.org right now and make a one-time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 F. Hey, welcome back. This is Arts on the Air. It's uh, Tamara and Melissa, and we are interviewing Gabriel Torres. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks, Thanks for coming back. <laughs> You're welcome. Welcome back to our I listeners. Wander off. <laughs> um, so when we took the break, we were talking about uh, the materiality of Gabriel's work, and I did want to ask. There's a section on your website where you have um, some collages, and the titles were very evocative. They, I wrote them down. There were things like, "You can't wear your hair like that." All that we can afford. Do I look like a threat? Um, and they were just very interesting titles, and it sounded like maybe there was a particular time you were working through some autobiographical. Are issues. they good titles? They're great titles. Yeah, I mean they really <laughs> say a lot. Yeah, so they I do. Don't know if you wanted to talk about. Oh, that's lovely. Something I personal you're working titles. through. I, at them. least I thought I was struggling the, with titles. Actually, the one specifically, like the "Do I Look Like a Threat?" That one is an incredibly powerful piece with that title. Like it's. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> well, titling is very essential. I mean, if if the work has a mystery to it, which I feel like I'm going to do air quotes here that y'all can't see, all <laughs> good work has mystery to it. And that's just my personal opinion. Um, the title is like a little innuendo of like what the work is about without giving it away entirely too much. Um, so for Do I Look Like a Threat, it, that that is personal because it's a painting of my son and it's, it is talking about racial issues and he's I think he's like three at the time but he's playing and he's just like looking all happy and excited and there are his clothes that are in there and it's like Buzz Lightyear and like dinosaurs and like totally non-threatening objects or clothes from my children are being used to make this piece and so I don't know if it was always hinted at that that was supposed to be the idea behind the work, but then when it came out and I looked at it, he just looked so happy and so inviting at the same time. And I think around that time, we might've been dealing with like George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey. And so do I look like a threat, such a you know sweet little chocolate boy, you know, what, what's so threatening about this little guy? So it felt really, really strong to make it that title. Um, and the same thing for you can't wear your hair like that. Um, it was taken like so my children are half puerto rican and my daughter we have to got we have to go a little bit into context for this one <laughs> my daughter has um very much different hair than me she's got like it's wavy hair it's not i have like an afro uh she has wavy barely a ringlet curl at all it's not my, like, we don't know she got like somebody <laughs> great aunt's hair on dad's side somehow like very different and um I would put her hair in like box braids and put like little beads on the ends because it's like more of a traditional, I think like African-American hairstyle, but she doesn't have the texture of like African-American hair. So there was a time when my eldest daughter, Lucia, she's like 21, her hair is closer to my texture and her mom is white. So she's half white, half Puerto Rican, my stepdaughter. And I was braiding her hair one day. And like I said, she's got kinky curly hair and I'm not actually her mom. So I just think it's ironic. <laughs> 
and uh, her mom has straight blonde hair. Oh. Yes. It's, it's really interesting when you see us all together. Yeah. Um, so you knew how to work with her hair. Though. Yes. Yeah. I, I can work with her hair probably better than the one that actually came from me. <laughs> uh, so I, I was braiding her hair and then like she, she was about to go to bed and she started taking it out. And I was like, why are you taking your hair out? And she was just like, oh, I can't wear my hair like this to school. I was like, why? She's like, because I'm not black. And I was like, I don't understand. Yeah. And then she was just like, well, I would get picked at from like everyone, black and white, because it's a, a black girl hairstyle. And I was like, but you're, I was picking with her. I was like, but you're honorary. You know, you got black siblings. I was like, even we're just pick, we're laughing about it. I was yeah. like, but still, like, on a serious note, like, why is that a thing? I mean, braids don't just date back to like African lineage. Yeah. I mean, it is very prominent like lineage for like braiding hair and things like that it might be the oldest i don't really know i'm not sure but then you have vikings that wear braids and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so it it is from different places um so and that idea of her not being able to wear her hair a specific way i was a little offended Mm -hmm. not by her but just by the whole and it stuck with me for like weeks and weeks and weeks and then when i had this picture of anya and she's like swinging her braids all around braids of a, a child that probably doesn't look like she could potentially be half black or she doesn't have hair like a traditional black girl but can she wear her hair like this so it was interesting yeah. she's got mm-hmm. little beads on there yeah, and I, mm-hmm. like my son one day we were watching something on tv and so brian is really fair skin i am like more of like brown skin so you could say i mean in any any many cultures there's a racial division is off of color color pantones so technically, Brian could be considered a white Puerto Rican, and I'm just considered African-American. I'm considered black. Um, so my son is watching something on TV, and uh, two different races kiss. And he says, they can't kiss. They're not the same color. And um, Anya on the bed bust out laughing. You're so stupid. She was just like, mommy and daddy aren't even the same color. What are you talking about? And then he just kind of like looks like, oh. And I'm like, where did you learn that? Yeah, like, 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 that would definitely yeah. not be taught in our household. Wow. You right, know? Right. So it's like he noticed. I don't know if you picked it up at school mm-hmm. or if it was just something they noticed and then... Yeah. But who knows? I mean, it's just it's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for speaking about that. You're welcome. Um, were there any other ones you wanted me to... I know, did we mention I Black think, Crib or um, I don't know if that was one. Uh, oh, as far as your, your pieces or the yeah, titles? Yeah. Were there any ones that you wanted me to touch bases on? Yeah. yeah. There was, so there's a section of your site where you have installations. There's a bed and there's crib in the woods and there's like hanging fiber pieces in a room with brick walls that I didn't know if that was part of your um, MFA program because the, the bed and the crib in the woods definitely scream like MFA art show to me. It's yeah. very conceptual. Um, <laughs> so just about all of the work is still under the umbrella of colonialism even the bed with like the back fiber pieces in it that's talking about how relationship roles operate when people are kind of stuck in the superstructure of how you think about like what men or and women are supposed to do so so with like dissonance it talks about how sometimes in relationships and this is the crib piece um it's covered in kids clothing and um it talks when you start having kids and you kind of lose yourself in life sometimes you're tripping over toys and things like that you're knocking things around and it just kind of builds up so it, and it did come from being like first time well for me a first time parent brian already had lucia but it was it was building up so it was like there's something missing about the bed you know it's like kind of um oddly placed in the room there's no mattress on it and 
So it's called dissonance because it's talking about these ideas of how we feel we should be raising our kids or, and it just gets kind of mucky sometimes. Um, Black Crib is kind of what I was getting to. It's one of the pieces that is somewhat outside of um, the idea of colonialism. And I'm really big on thinking that a lot of things in life can probably be roped into it, but I'm gonna be honest and say that it's not one of the ones that is. Uh, I had, I have a friend that was having issues with conceiving and, and we, when I would talk to my friend about her issues with conceiving and how I know people that have had issues that haven't had issues with just having girlfriends and it, just hearing both sides of it um it was really heavy at that point in time and um so what I ended up doing is taking like this delicate idea of a, a crib it just seems like you see it and you think about a baby and I shattered glass and the whole crib is covered in shards of glass. Mm -hmm. It's entirely covered and it's spray painted black. It's like a matte black. It's not shiny or anything like that. It looks like it actually is burnt. Mm -hmm. um, oh. And then, so I posed it in the woods and I watched it decompose for days and I video, I mm -hmm. um, took some video of it. And then I actually put plants. This might've been actually the first time <laughs> that I used plants and didn't realize oh. it. It might've segued into that eventually. Yeah. But now thinking about it, like I bought plants and I like kind of uh, installed it all together with the plants inside. And then over days, like people tampered with it. They moved it. Mm -hmm. um, one of my neighbors said they thought it was something satanic, which was really interesting. interesting. And I was like, oh, it's not satanic. <laughs> I would prefer for you not to move it again. But if you do, like it is part of the yeah. piece. It, become, it eventually evolves. It he came part across of the work. what he thought was like a burned crib in the yeah, woods. He yeah. did think it was. It does sound um, horror movie-ish. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> and so after a while, I would see, and he didn't move it anymore, but each day something had been moved on it. Mm -hmm. And eventually it was, like, pushed over, and then eventually it was just gone. Interesting. It just disappeared. Well, that sounds like a horror movie in and of itself. It does. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the um, Blair Witch Project. <laughs> but you get to see the, the plants. It was enough days at least to see, like, the plants die mm -hmm. inside of the crib. And I did pick some greenery or, I guess, like, foliage that had died. And I did put it in there. So you have the contrast of like living and dead. Mm -hmm. um, and then like how glass, you know, when it's in a, a nice form, it could be soft. But once it's shattered, it's something that can be really harmful and hurtful right. to you. Right, yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I did want to shift gears a little bit and talk about, it sounds like, um, so since you graduated with your MFA from SCAD, that you right away just had, you've had a lot of professional success and you've been in a number of shows. Um, one was, I think, was it the FAAA show at the Savannah Cultural Center? Yeah. And, um, and you've been in a small work show at the Telfair and you've had a residency at Sulphur Studio. So I didn't know if you wanted to talk us through a little bit about the progression of how it's gone just in this year since you've gotten your MFA. Yeah. Uh Wow, so it really did kind of take off. I'm gonna I'm gonna put Calvin on the spot here, Calvin Woodwin. Um, so he invited me to join the FAAA, and I think that that was one of the the best ideas that I could have ever done. I highly recommend any artist in town to do that. It's a good way to show and to get your work out there. Um, so I did, and through that show, I actually got my solo show at Savannah State. So I've had three oh, solo shows on top of the small work shows that I've had works put in. Okay. Um, and of course, you know, the solo shows are, I mean, the, the group shows are important, but solo shows, you want to get solo shows. So the one at Savannah State with Calvin and FAAA rolled into Savannah State and Savannah State, I did a show in Hampton, South Carolina, where oh. all, most of the, actually the loom pieces and the, um, the more traditional ones all went out that way. And then after that, oh, cool. 
Atlanta. I had a so my actually I have a show up right now in Atlanta and it'll be up until I want to say the beginning of January is when oh, she'll that's probably take it down, and that's where my gallerist is. So it just and I actually my first solo show out of graduate school, like pretty fresh out within like a few months, even though I'm still pretty fresh out. Yeah, I don't think you're I, out. Yeah. I haven't even hit my graduation date yet, yeah. technically. Was given to me by my undergrad. Oh, it nice. hasn't happened yet. It's actually the furthest oh. show out, but they were the first ones to put me on the calendar and send me my contract. Oh. And where was, I don't know if we even spoke of where exactly was we your undergrad? We have at Lander University. It's in Greenwood, South Carolina. It's a okay. small liberal arts school, Community, but it's it's not until next year because okay. their gallery is generally like most booked out pretty far. Yeah. Oh, and we can't forget Sulphur Studios. Sulphur has been showing me while in grad school. Oh, okay. That's awesome. Amazing. Did you have to build up a body of work um, from when you graduated and were in like group shows to, to doing solo shows, or did you have a body of work that you had created already to to do a whole solo show? Luckily, I came out with a body. Nice. I, I realized later <laughs> yeah. that I was creating, I think, four times, or no, 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 double the amount of work. Most students were creating about four pieces a quarter, and I was doing about eight to ten. Wow. I didn't know that at first. Because in the our outline for the syllabus, it said that we needed to create it, but apparently it was a little bit more flexible mm-hmm. than I realized. I'm I'm like Amelia uh. Bedelia. Like if you say this is what you need, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna deliver exactly. Like you like yeah. yeah. Like you say hit the road, I'm gonna go smack the road and come back and talk to you. Yeah. Like I'm very literal. So when it said it on there, I didn't feel figure out until like it was time for me to graduate that I didn't need to be producing that much. So I was already producing pretty quickly, mm-hmm. which I'm so thankful for that because it built up an incredible studio practice. Like mm-hmm. I was out here every day almost. Yeah, yeah. And um, I can't thank SCAD enough for that in a sense because it's sometimes, even though you want to do it, you can talk about doing it, but developing, I cannot stress how important it is to develop a regular studio practice if you are a full-time or a, an artist in general. Yeah. Um, because it's so easy to just, if you have a full-time job, to just do that and to really get out of the practice. And then it's it's just like exercise. It's hard to get back into it. Yeah, it can be. If you stopped, yeah. Where was your, so when you graduated from SCAD, where, where did you hold your thesis show? An abandoned building. Oh, let's nice. talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, prom- I do like horror movies. I promise yeah. I'm not like this. I'm did really you go out <laughs> looking for a, a building? Y'all, I got all types of good stories for y'all. I'm, I'm not even joking. So originally... The thesis show is supposed to be out at the dairy farm. Okay. There's a tree out there, and I think it's called, like, the Lost Boys tree. Okay. You got to go all the way in the back. There's this giant tree. I'm just There's gonna a swing hang. on it, isn't there? Yes. yes. I'm just going to hang all of these works from the tree. I actually got out there the day before and had a few of them up. They made these, these beautiful sounds in the wind because they were hung with chains. And it was really, it was actually creepy once again. I don't know if there's something there, <laughs> but it, it did, it had an eerie feel. I would say it was more eerie than creepy. Um, but it started to rain. Ah, uh, well, that tide, doesn't work. Wow. It got so high out there, we had to wait for it to go down to get back out to pick the work up. So oh, wow. Whoa. Brian, my husband, thank God for him knowing so many people in Savannah, he was talking to this one gentleman that is, at, this is going to be great. So... The new, the new Halloween movie that just came out. Yeah. That building that the the. Uh, oh, the one that they were using to make it look the radio like a radio show. station. That's where my thesis show was. Oh, nice. I know. Yeah. Oh, and okay. we cleared it all the way out. There, it was when I went in there. I said, Brian, there's no way we're going to be able to clear this out okay. in a day, and he helped me. I had some other friends that came and helped me clear. Oh. There was a ton of like just lumber. Was this wood. after the film crew used this? This is the before. Movie? Okay. 
I got it first. So. <laughs> and then when they were using it for the movie, I feel like everyone in town was talking about this cool, weird, quirky, old yeah. abandoned building that is going to be in the movie as an 80s radio station. And so that's, that's where my thesis show was first. That's very cool. Trend setting. I know, right? <laughs> um, you should reach out to Jamie Lee Curtis and send her photos from you and be like, hey, do you recognize this venue? <laughs> I know, right? That would be cool. Uh, so it was there, and we were able to clear it out. We were able to transform this space. And it, it was very much like gorilla New York feel. Yeah. The works, there's like the Savannah brick that's in there. Mm-hmm. So it was very much still um, morphing with the work and very still, like very meaningful still. Uh, and then there's this raw idea that it was just bare bones as well. Like there's just like these beams and everything. Oh, yeah. The work feels very raw to me. Mm-hmm. And was it hanging by chains in there too? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I'd seen that. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, it was such a quick, a quick switch. Everyone was preparing for this awesome dairy farm example. Yeah. I had these tiki torches that were going to lead you to the back and everything. And I'd been talking about it, promoting it. And yeah. I was like, nope, <laughs> we got to graduate. It's going to be here now. And it was, it was not a comp. It wasn't one of the things that felt like, um, not a compromise, but. Oh, it just wasn't what you'd intended. But it, it wasn't, yeah. what word am I looking for when it's, um, it wasn't a settle. I didn't settle. Right, right, right. Like, it felt still very much that, like, it vibed with the work mm-hmm. and that I was proud. Yeah. And I can be really upset. When I'm very planned. Mm-hmm. So if it doesn't go exactly as planned, yeah. it can really agitate me. Yeah, you did this me. whole vision of being outside. And yeah. I've been out at the dairy farm planning for, like, weeks, and I paid for it, mm-hmm. too. Oh, wow. And, um, did anything get damaged after being rained on like that? No, there... That's one thing that I wasn't really worried about. They are relatively, like, water-friendly mm-hmm. uh, for the most part. They can't get, like, torrential downpour on. Yeah. But if it got a little misty, the wind, I wasn't really 100% worried about that. Uh, it was smart to do that in Savannah. <laughs> yeah. And they, the allowance of water. The weekend at first said that it wasn't supposed to be. And I think the tide was coming up, actually, because it was going to be raining. Mm-hmm. I don't think it actually rained now that I think about it. It was just by the time we got back there with the U-Haul, it was like... Brian, we can't even get the work. We had rain boots on, Oof. and it was like up to here. Jeez. That's how far the time had come in. So it was, a really, it was a really a big adventure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> yeah. A good one. That's, that's additional stress you don't really need when you're trying to graduate. No, but it's, to me, it's just dedication. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. yeah. My professors were like, why are you doing all this, game?" But I was like, you go big or you go home. What do you mean? <laughs> it was like, it's a thesis show. And I was like, yeah, but... Yeah. This is like my big You sound like you have a real element of like performance art and theatricality yeah. to you mm-hmm. a bit. Um, you, you talked a little bit uh, about the residency that you recently had at Sulphur Studio. Oh, yeah. So, so that was interacting with people in the neighborhood and conversations. And um, can you talk a little bit about what your plan was for that? It sounds very conceptual. I'm a big love bug. I, I do consider myself a lover of humanity. I mean, this is going to relate what I say next. I do love like dog people. You know, I am a dog person, but I love people that love people. I love dog people, too, but I think we need more people lovers mm-hmm. in the world. Not that you should stop loving dogs. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's a lot of people that are like, I love dogs, and that's good enough for me. Yeah. I think we need more people that are, I love humanity. Mm-hmm. I love the earth. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. It's just like things that I feel as if we all should care about and all should be passionate about because we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. So for the the residency at Sulphur, it gave me the, the opportunity to interact with the community and to figure out you know what is what are these barriers that we we feel that surround colonialism and it's not just always based off of off of race um i like 
to talk about race sometimes, but I don't like to make all of my work about race mm -hmm. because it's not, in a way it is, a, in, in my head, where my mind is not free. If I have to make all of my work about race, yeah. then there's another way that race has a hold on me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I try to shift the idea to the umbrella of like colonialism as well, because these are things that have a hold on everyone, mm -hmm. everyone. You know what I mean? And like, even though race definitely has a hold on a lot of people as well, for people of color, it's like, we can't take our skin off. This is our everyday. Yeah. And that's why you see a lot of artists that make work that are, are of color, about color. Mm -hmm. Because it's like a simple walk to the park is not the same for someone that has darker skin. So, but at the same time, I've been very, 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 very um, dedicated to making it not the primary um, idea of my work so with the residency it gave me the opportunity to talk some about that but then talk about how did colonialism impact you growing up what are some things that you think about like how colonialism affects ecology these different areas that it could relate I mean do you want to talk about how it affects how we raise our kids um, how we view gender roles and things like that yeah how we just even sit our spoons on our plates at the end of dinner or something like that it's it's in everything it's and the smallest things that we don't even realize and know about. Um, yeah. And it's uprooted a lot of cultures. And some people might think to say that these cultures weren't developed until colonialism came on. How about we just give them the time to and let them do it in their own way? Mm -hmm. So I'm very funny about that. But the, the, the residency opened up the idea of we can have a really tough, heartfelt conversation, maybe disagree upon it. I will always be respectful unless you're just straight out disrespectful and crazy but for mm -hmm. the most part you can say almost anything to me and I'll say all right cool I may not under agree with that but I respect that you so it's a safe yeah. space in a sense to have this conversation but when people came I will let them know you know this is what we're going to be this is what we could talk about mm -hmm. or we could talk about when we used to go to the rail and do karaoke either <laughs> or it's fine with me yeah you get we, the option yeah. exactly we don't not everyone wants to do all yeah. that you know the, this discussion that i'm talking about with one of my friends is not one that i had during the residency mm -hmm. she just happens to be one of my best friends that is from like meldrum and is real <laughs> southern so this is like southern i wouldn't call her a bell not in like a bad way she's just really more of like a spitfire um, but we would have some of the hardest conversations. We would talk about Trump. Mm. She voted for Trump at first, but then the second time around, it was a no-go. Because we've, I mean, it's not that I changed her opinion. She had other ideas of why she changed mm -hmm. her opinion. But she also talks to me about her family that votes Republican because that's what they feel like they're supposed to do. Or Democrat because they're supposed to... It's on both sides mm -hmm. with that sometimes. Yeah. You know, so we've had these really hard conversations, like, multiple times. And I don't, we haven't had one argument. That's, that's that's refreshing to hear. Amazing. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. <laughs> but not all of them could go that well. But I can, like I said, I can see. Like, what what do you have? What stakes do you have in it? You'll never see this person again. Mm -hmm. What does it matter? Yeah. You know. So that makes sense too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all of them went super well. I mean, that's amazing. And then and then you made artwork from yes. The, they brought yes, in fabric sorry. and you made like a painting. <laughs> Circling so back, bring her, bringing her home. Right. Thank you. I can, I'm like out here sometimes. We. We, and I say that because I feel as if they have some type of credibility in the work as well. Um, they would bring in their fabric, and that's why I said we could start the conversation off talking about the fabric, but the fabric was actually woven into the loom. So we, when I was sitting there talking to them, sometimes I'd be weaving it as I'm talking to them, mm -hmm. and they could oh. see how their, their 
part plays in this whole grand scheme of things of us Savannians who are an awesome city if you think about it uh, and then the the more so two-dimensional paintings I would I still have some that I have to do because it started off really slow for the residency I would say like the first the first week and I think I might have been sick or actually I, I had a COVID scare um. So I missed like the first few days of the, the residency because I had to wait. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I was already was antsy. I was like, this is... This is <laughs> like you're already behind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I like to be prepared. And so the first weekend, we had a few people turn out. But then after a while, it was like, it was hard for me to get things done because there were so many people coming in. So I, I was having to come in on different days throughout the week mm. to work on the loom and paint because some of the conversations were rolling into like two hour conversations. Wow. Uh, yeah, they were great. So we did a mixture of the weaving into the actual loom that was done on wire. Um, and I've been slowly changing them to being done on wire because I'm thinking about the longevity of the work mm -hmm. and how the work can exist in different forms in different ways. Um, so now that piece from sulfur exists as a sculpture. It's no longer a wall installation. Mm -hmm. It's a sculpture now. Uh, the paintings, I think I did a total of one, two, three, four. I think there's like five paintings that were done during the residency of people that came in. There was one that I started before just to kind of like get it going mm. before I had people come in. But other than that, I painted people in like their element. I would tell them at the end like, hey, do you mind if I take some pictures of you? I'm going to, if it's okay, I'm going to paint it. I did have one person, Samantha Mack, we were sitting there talking and she's talking to me about how she wants me to paint her in like a cool way. And I didn't get it at first. I was like, I don't understand what she means. Because she wanted me to do an abstract work of her on a loom. Oh. We were speaking to... Wow. So I did one piece that was for Samantha Mac, oh. And I did a portrait inspired in a loom. Interesting. So it's, it's an abstract self-portrait of Samantha. It's almost like her, her aura. Yeah, her so essence. she brought in all of her paint jeans because she's another local painter. And Amazing. Yeah. That's super cool. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I love yeah, ending. Yeah, this, the, I love ending on this part about all the neighborhood people who you spoke to and that the discussions just went on and on and people had so much to say to you. It was very yeah. heartening. I'd love to do it again. I mean, I could have probably... John and I talked about, you know, maybe we should have turned it into maybe potentially a three-month one. He said that's a possibility. Okay, so this has been fantastic discussion. I'd just like to end with if you wanted to talk to us about some other shows you have coming up where people can see your work. Yeah, uh, so I don't know if it's 100% out, but it's out now. <laughs> um, Antonia at the Cultural Arts Center for Black History Month is doing um, – a all black female artist show but um oh, okay. i'm trying and to do a collaboration really, of installation yeah, with all cool. of us together or Gen whoever yeah. and then Gen there's another show coming up that i have at the marietta um, museum cobb museum in atlanta and i might have said that a little bit backwards but that'll be i believe in like april mm -hmm. um so it'll, it's a textiles piece that i'll be showing with several other artists in that area and of course the the show one of my solo shows that'll be and Lanner University, which is in Greenland, South Carolina. I don't know if people want to go that far, but it is coming up. And it is a solo show, which yeah. is interesting. And that show will probably have all new work in it, given the fact that it's that far out. It's a long time away. Yeah, cool. yeah. So that should be fun to see as well. Very well, nice. fantastic. Congratulations on all of your Thank professional you. success you've had already. And look um, forward to the been, upcoming shows. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. been Gabriel Torres. We've been, I've been so excited to have Melissa back. I know. It's Yay. been great to be back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Next up on WRUU, That Old Savannah Magic from 4 to 6 p.m. It's a variety show featuring Savannah history, radio theater, interviews, and music.
You are listening to WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with a global soul.